It's Dr. Audrey Tang here with another season of Retrain Your Brain. It's that podcast that helps you buffer low-level stress. It helps you return to a state of calm. It helps you find more joy in your life so you don't use up so much of your available energy on things that you cannot control. It's not the big choices in life that have the greatest impact, but the little things you choose to do every single day. So start making some choices with me now. Today I'm going to look at self-compassion in practice by asking you to ask yourself, what kind of person does that? And to do so, I'm going to give you a more personal analogy and it really is an example of how I practice what I preach. So let's look at that question. What kind of person does that? We ask that question a lot when we're faced with exasperating behaviour. What kind of person does that? And often the answers are a mean one, a nasty one, a stupid one, an evil one. And we might even decide, I don't want to see that person anymore. And we are, of course, within our rights to do that. But the important thing to remember is those answers don't really give the human being an opportunity to change nor grow. All of those statements are relatively finite. Whereas we grow as people, we can learn and we can change. And if we're doing this as a judgment on others, how might we be using this on ourselves? So ask that same question. What kind of person does that of you? For example, what kind of person damages someone else's property? What kind of person copies someone else's work? What kind of person lies on their CV or insert whatever it is you have done there? Because the answer to all those three questions is me. I'm the person who's done that. I scratched my mum's watch when I was five years old, deliberately. I copied a classmate's work when I was 13. And I lied on my CV at 18 because I was so desperate to get a role that I claimed I could speak Cantonese. Oh, I got in trouble for all of them. And I've never really gotten around to answering that question, what kind of person does that properly, until, well, now-ish. The answer I'd always given myself was a nasty person, a stupid person, a person even more stupid than the one that copied and then got found out and then dropped by her agent. So add unworthy to that as well. And if you've ever spoken to yourself like that, you'll know that that feeling brings up so much shame that you much prefer to repress it and never want to think about that situation again. But nasty, dumb and dumber with a helping of unworthiness, that phrase is what sticks. Now, here's a very quick caveat. I do not expect you or anyone to like that type of person. And why should you? Because I didn't like them very much either. And neither do I expect you to make things worse by reinforcing or taking advantage of any limiting beliefs I might have. But certainly the person who does have to try and like me is the one that has to live with me. And that's me. So... This is what I'm learning to do. Number one, 
I write down the things that I'm ashamed of as they pop into my mind. And you can do this, especially if you've been reflecting on long-held beliefs. You can do this from last week. You can do this for yesterday. You can do this from four years old. When you've got those things written down, ask yourself the question, what kind of person does that? But then answer the question. So let's look at my examples. Five-year-old damaging property. What kind of person does that? A frustrated person. A person who didn't have the words to express that they wanted to be acknowledged for who they were and for what their needs were, not what their parents decided they should be. A person who felt unheard and unseen. And that was the only way of getting attention. Copying work? What kind of person does that? An insecure person. A person who didn't trust in themselves enough that they were good enough and they wanted to be praised so badly. Lying on a CV? What kind of person does that? Well, probably similar to the above, an insecure person. But reflecting more deeply on the circumstances, also a person who probably never thought they'd actually be in the position to be called upon to prove it. The funny thing was, I just secured a voiceover for an advert and suddenly my agent really focused on getting my CV out to everyone. And I'd only include it Cantonese because I thought it made me look good in order to get my foot in the door. I never once thought that that door might actually be cracked open. And in unpicking that behaviour, I realise that when it comes to me, I'm not a bad person or a stupid one or an unworthy one. And that allowed me to finally stop trying to prove to everyone that I'm not those things because the only person who was thinking it was me. It was even at the point where people were saying to me, you don't need to convince me or I can't believe you keep a lever arch file of your certificates. I'm now somebody who can look at the truth of each situation and deal with the behaviours that shame has repressed. So let's look at frustration over being truly seen. Well, yes, I do have a public persona, but I do also now have a wonderful network of friends who love me as me. They're the friends with whom I can relax as me. They love the, what I call, Bridget Jones clumsy me, and they call it charming, bless them. They don't create a me that I have to live up to, despite needing to do so in my public life, because, you know, you're only as good as your last podcast, right? Let's look at feeling insecure over my efforts. Will I now take a moment to ask myself, what do I think I need help with? And then I seek it out. I also remind myself that it's okay to suck at stuff. And with work and focus, I will tend to get better at the things I really want to get better at. And then the feeling of imposter syndrome. Well, I just don't lie anymore. If someone wants me, they do often want me for me. And the way this plays out in my working life is that I'm a very immersive trainer and I'm hired by people who want that style. Those that don't won't ask for me, but I don't pursue them either. And I'm okay with that because it does mean when I'm training, I get to be my best because people expect what my best actually is. 
start asking yourself that question. Start doing that exercise and hopefully you will also come to a place where you can accept yourself and then from there choose how to grow. The funny thing is when I started listing all of those shameful moments I really only had a list of about eight of them and yet I had spent 46 years trying to be seen as perfect and that was based largely on those eight moments. And those eight moments actually all amounted to a similar thing, a need to be loved and included, but simply as me. So now I just look at what makes me feel loved and included, and I do a lot more of that. And the rest turns out pretty well anyway. So in summary, don't let shame hold you back. Reflect on those moments and unpick what sort of person does that. And when you find out, Help that person. Be there for that person. Love and accept that person. And if you catch yourself in a moment of self-criticism, use the technique to work backwards and try and find out who that person was when that little critical voice was first created. And if you're using that technique as an ongoing tool, remember, if you've done a lot of work and you find yourself in a situation where you're maybe having to let someone down or risk not being liked or maybe backtrack on something. Again, ask yourself, what sort of person would do that? And maybe you might find that the sort of person who does have to stand up for what they believe in is a brave one with integrity who will learn and try to avoid a repeat situation in the future. And that's all we have time for today. But to catch up with more of my tools and tips, do follow me on my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Audrey Tang, Tools to Thrive. Check out my website, www.draudreyt.com or join me in the Wellbeing Lounge on NLive Radio, Tuesday nights at 9pm.